Welcome everyone to Historically Haunted. I'm your dyslexic host, Ariel, and in this podcast, we embark on a journey where the past whispers its secrets into the present. In each episode, I'll dust off the history books and bring you spine-tingling stories of ghostly apparitions that haunt historic landmarks, along with stories of monstrous moments and unexplainable events that have shaped our world. So whether you're a history buff who enjoys spooky stories or a paranormal enthusiast with a love for history, Get ready for a podcast that will take you through a historically haunted past. Because to understand the ghosts, we must first understand the history. and welcome back to Historically Haunted. This is episode two of my three-part Halloween series, and today's episode is going to be about Lep Castle, found in Ireland. Before we begin, I wanted to thank all of you for listening to my show. I really appreciate all of the kind comments and emails that I have been receiving lately. I just got back from my trip to Orlando, and I had so much fun at Halloween Horror Nights and Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. It felt so great to be surrounded by people who love the spooky season as much as I do. It was my first time to both of these events and I enjoyed filming my experience and while they were vastly different from each other, I still thought that both events were spooktacular. I enjoyed editing the videos and I felt like I got some really good shots of the scare actors at HHN. Sadly, my feet gave out on me when I got to the Magic Kingdom and I was unable to film and do as much as I would have liked. Regardless, I still had a wonderful time and I have a link to my YouTube channel, Travel Spin, down below if you would like to watch a first-timer's account of both of those events. I have a really quick favor to ask everybody. If you enjoy my podcast and you have an Instagram page and you have not followed me yet, please go over to my page and give me a follow. I have a goal of having over 900 subscribers by the beginning of the new year, and I am at 857 right now at the time of this recording, and I feel like I can get at least 900 followers by the beginning of the new year. My podcast is small, but it has been slowly growing over the years, and I would love to have 1,000 followers by the middle of next year. It is free to do, and it will help support my show and help me grow my podcast. So thank you all so much for those of you who have already followed my page. The reason I'm bringing this up is because if you follow me on Facebook, you already know, but I have taken a break from Facebook. Um, The world is loud and scary and mean right now, and I've been bombarded with a lot of just hateful comments, not just geared toward me, but I just can't take seeing them anymore, and um, some other issues with my group page. So my group page is now down and um, I someday would love to delete my Facebook entirely and not have it anymore. So if you already follow me on uh, Facebook and you have an Instagram page, go ahead and give me a follow over on Instagram. I just feel like Instagram, I know they're owned by the same company, but Instagram is just easier to take care of business stuff and Facebook is way too convoluted, complicated, and I've about had it with them personally. Anyone who runs a business page on Facebook might know this, but they change pretty much how they do things almost once a week and I just can't keep up. I'm busy. I'm going back to school. I've got too much going on 
And also, I just need a break from all of these random comments and posts that have nothing to do with me or anything, but I've just been having to delete a lot of uh, trolls and scammers lately, and I've just kind of done with it. So um, my Facebook page might be leaving, but for now I'm going to keep it up, but I'm not going to be active on there. I will be posting through Canva, you know, for new uh, shows and stuff like that, that I will be posting or finally when I get merchandise going, I will let everybody know, but it'll be through Canva. So I might not reply to you on Facebook. If anyone wants to send me a message or give me a suggestion, please email my business email, which is historicallyhaunted.313 at gmail.com. That is going to be the best way to communicate with me, give me updates about, you know, historically haunted places that you'd love for me to check out and things like that. I'm trying to streamline my business. Uh, turning the historically haunted podcast into an LLC has been expensive and a lot of work and I don't have a manager or money for a manager or anything like that. So I'm trying to do it all myself. It's getting a little overcomplicated and something had to give and Facebook was one of the things that would help me not be so overly convoluted and confusing. So thank you to everyone who did follow me and participated in the group pages and everything over there. I do apologize, but it just, it had to go. It was time. As always, I wanted to give a huge thank you to my Patreons. They are a big reason that I am able to keep this show going. If anyone is interested in becoming a Patreon, please check out the link to my page down below in the show notes. For just a dollar a month, you can access bonus episodes that I make when I have extra time, sneak peeks on current projects, and a thank you card with a logo sticker in the the mail after your first monthly payment. Leaving a written review on iTunes or a starred review on Spotify is a quick and free way to help support the show. The more reviews I receive, it will help the show pop up when other people are searching for a new paranormal podcast to try. And a huge thank you to all of you who have already left reviews. Okay, that's it for the announcements and updates. Let's get this show started. If you would like to learn more about today's location, I encourage you to go down to the bottom of my show notes for all of my sources. Here you can find even more information, history, and sometimes ghost stories than I had time to cover in today's episode. And just a quick reminder that my show might not be suitable for all audiences. I often cover gory, disturbing, sensitive, and adult topics. And while the ghost stories I tell might be scary, sometimes the true history is more terrifying than the paranormal claims. Listener's discretion is advised. Happy Halloween! If you have listened to my show for a while, then you would know how much I love covering locations in Ireland. Not only is it the birthplace of Halloween, but this ancient land has always held a mystic and magical element. Whether it's legends of the Fae or horrifying stories of hellhounds, headless horsemen, screaming banshees, or the devil turning up on a stormy night to play a game of cards, stories from Ireland will never leave you with at least one chill going down your spine. With thousands of years of spiritual and bloody history, it is no wonder that some consider Ireland to be one of the most haunted countries on earth. Tonight's episode is about a castle, and while all old castles have a body count, 
This castle has seen over 700 years of atrocities, murders, death, and torture happen inside its walls, leading many to believe that this is the most haunted castle in Ireland. So cozy up by the fire, pour yourself a cup of tea, and grab a blanket as I tell you the terrifying tale of Lep Castle. Right from the start, Lep Castle is shrouded in mystery. Historians have yet to find exactly when this castle was built, but many think that the castle was constructed anywhere between the 13th and 15th centuries. Some historians think that this castle that we see today was actually built on ruins from a pre-existing castle or stone structure that could have been built around 1250 AD, but no one really knows who built the first one. The current castle structure is believed to have been built in the early 1500s by the O'Bannon clan, while other historians believe that the O'Bannon clan built the castle on pre-existing stone ruins in the year 1250 AD. Many also think that ancient druids used this land for incantation ceremonies for thousands of years before the construction of the castle, while other historians think that the structure that Lep Castle was built on was not a ruin of a pre-existing castle at all. It may have been a type of ancient stone structure that druids could have used for incantations and ceremonies. One thing historians do agree on is that the area has been continuously occupied since at least the Iron Age, 500 BCE, maybe even further back to the Neolithic period. Now that we have some backstory on the land itself, let's get back to the O'Bannon clan. The O'Bannons who built Lep Castle were the secondary chieftains to the surrounding territories. They were also the subject of the O'Carroll clan that ruled over the whole area. According to historical records, the O'Bannon and O'Carroll clans were known for their brutality. They warred with other noble family members to keep their lands and simultaneously schemed, plotted, and killed their own family members to gain power. One of the first legends of the castle shows just how bloody this legacy really was. It is said that two brothers of the O'Bannon family wanted to be in charge of their clan once the castle was built. This argument grew into a crescendo when finally they decided the only way to settle this dispute was to jump off a rocky outcropping near where the castle now stands. Both brothers decided that whoever survived the jump was then proven to be strong enough to be in charge and would win the right to be the next chieftain. I could not find which won the jump, but apparently one of them did survive and named the castle Lep of the O'Briens. And this is why today the castle is named Lep or Leap Castle. I heard it pronounced both ways. I'm going to continue calling it Lep Castle, but I've heard some people call it Leap Castle. But I'm going to call it Lep Castle because I've seen a few interviews with the owner of the castle who owns it today, and he always calls it Lep Castle. So I'm going to continue calling it that as well. Now, from what I could find online, the Lep of the O'Briens is considered more of a legend than actual truth, but I do find it interesting that they decided to name the castle the Lep of the O'Briens 
Lions if something like that didn't really happen, but because there's no documentation on this, we will never know the truth. Just because that is a legend does not mean that there are many historically proven atrocities that have happened at Lepp Castle. The castle was built at a strategically important spot, acting as a main stronghold to guard the nearby pass through the Sleeve Blue Mountains. Because of the castle's importance, it was heavily fortified. Around the 1400s, the castle's ownership changed. There are two reasons that historians go back and forth on for this one. So one version of the story is that the O'Carroll clan decided that they liked the castle one day and decided to force the O'Bannons out of it and take it by force. But there's another legend slash kind of a historically truth. I'm not really sure. Some people say it's a legend. Some people say it's historical fact. This is the hard part about ancient lands. We just don't know because not everything was written down back then. But the other version of this story is that the O'Carrolls had just overstayed their welcome where they used to live. People got basically sick of their crap. You know, they were so mean, ruthless, brutal. People got sick of it and they forced them off of their original land and that the O'Carroll clan had to fight their way down to where Lepp Castle is. And when they got there, they decided to take it from the O'Bannons for themselves and again, took it by force. So again, historians don't really know how the O'Carroll got the castle in the first place, but they definitely took it in the 1400s and they managed to keep the castle in the family until the mid-1600s. In 1513, the Earl of Kilgar, Gerald Fitzgerald, attacked and tried to seize the castle, leading to a major and bloody battle. He was unsuccessful, but returned three years later to try again. This time, he was able to demolish portions of the castle, but the O'Carroll clan managed to keep the castle in their family. Judging by historical records, the O'Carroll clan was even more brutal than the O'Bannon clan. They imprisoned, tortured, and killed anyone who got in their way. When Mulrooney O'Carroll died in 1532 without announcing an official successor, a big family fight and demand for a leadership split the family in half, creating a civil war. Brother fought brother until one day it all came to a head later that same year. After much infighting, two brothers were put on the short list as to who should rule the clan next. On the day the decision was to be made, one of the brothers, one-eyed Tag O'Carroll, burst into the castle's chapel during a mass. Tag was mad with rage, brandishing a sword, and before anyone can stop him, he plunged his sword into the back of the priest, who was also his brother, Thaddeus O'Carroll. Thaddeus stumbled and then fell to the ground and died in front of his shocked family members. Tag was then awarded chieftain. From that day on, this room would forever be known as the Bloody Chapel. After this incident, the castle stayed in the family, being passed down the line until the 17th century, when the castle was passed through marriage into the Darby family. One of the O'Carroll daughters married an English captain, and under the Darby's ownership, the central keep was enlarged and many expansions and updates were made. By the late 1800s, Jonathan Charles Darby and his wife Mildred Darby owned the castle, and they lived very different lives from their predecessors. Mildred, like many people in the Victorian period, was a fan of the occult and the spiritualist movement. She was known for holding seances inside the castle and gothic-style parties with her friends. She was an extremely talented author, publishing many famous short stories as well as well-received novels. Mildred, like many women, women of her time wrote under a pen name and the one she chose was Andrew Murray. Sadly, Mildred's husband was abusive and always angry and he hated that she wrote books and believed that women had no place doing much outside of the home. 
However, Mildred refused to listen to him. They fought often, never getting along. And one day, Mildred did something that her husband would never forgive her for. But we will come back to that during the ghost section. The Darby's workmen made a shocking discovery in the early 1900s. Behind one of the walls in the chapel, he found an oubliette. An oubliette is a type of dungeon found inside a castle that is entered through a trap door in the floor or ceiling in this case above. An oubliette comes from a French term, which means to forget. At the bottom of the shaft, there were several wooden spikes. And what made this find even worse was the large number of bones piled up on the dungeon's floor. There were so many skeletons and piled up bones that it took three cartloads to remove them all. It is estimated that over 150 human remains and three complete skeletons were found. They even found a pocket watch dating back to the early 1800s. So either it somehow fell down there or the family still used it not that long ago. When another Irish Civil War broke out in June of 1922, Jonathan and Mildred Darby were forced to flee their home after receiving a number of death threats and warnings over their support of the British crown. They fled their home, leaving a few servants in charge of the castle. Not long after they left, the castle was burned down on July 30th and 31st. There are many theories as to what happened, but one of the main rumors is that they thought that one of the renters on the estate were talked into helping the Irish Republican Army, and some of the servants might have been paid off as well. It's believed that the Stuart Mr. Dotkins was forced at gunpoint to let the assailants into the castle. On January 30th, petrol was poured over the rooms and then set ablaze. The main part of the castle was still left intact. Dotkins managed to save some of the furniture and moved it to one of the outbuildings, but the assailants returned earlier on July 31st and burned down the rest of the castle and outbuildings. The Darby family never returned to the castle after the fire, and the surrounding land was sold off to tenant farmers by the Irish Land Commission. What was left of the castle stayed in the family until the 1970s, when it was sold to an Australian man named Peter Barlett. Peter began a long process of restoring the castle, but Peter passed away in 1989, and the castle was sold yet again to Sean and Annie Ryan. Together, they continued to work on restoring the castle. With over 700 years of suffering, it's no wonder that Lepp Castle is haunted. Along with all the documented historical deaths, this castle has also had hundreds of years of paranormal claims, with each tragedy adding a new layer of ghostly activity. unable to find out exactly how many people passed away inside the castle, but I saw a few estimates from anywhere between 500 and 2,000. There were many battles on the ground around the base of the castle throughout its history too, so who knows exactly how many people died both inside and on the surrounding grounds. Even though we don't have an actual historical number written down anywhere, we know for a fact that the number of deaths were high. Before we move on to the ghosts, I wanted to describe the castle to you because it might sound a little confusing while listening to the ghost story part without knowing the layout. So the castle today is not as large as the original structure. Due to the fire, much of the original castle burnt down. 
So what is left is the renovated and oldest part of the castle. It was basically a stone burned out shell when the renovations began in the 1970s. The livable part of the castle is still the very middle part of the castle, which then would have been called the keep, and a small portion to the right side is also remodeled. This skinny part of the castle has a tight spiral staircase to move up to the higher floors. The Bloody Chapel is located at the top, and it's an empty room now with open windows because the glass is no longer there. It has a roof, but it's still open to the elements. I posted some pictures on my Patreon page, but if you would like to see what it looks like, please go Google it, because I think it looks really cool. If you look at the picture, you can see the crumbling roof ruins of the rest of the castle on the left side of the livable space that's on the right today. Also something to keep in mind is that the footprint of the original castle used to be much larger. There were many more floors and rooms and hallways to walk through when the castle was in full working order. And there are many different spirits inside Lep Castle from all different time periods. Today the castle is private property and the current owner Sean Ryan does let paranormal investigators come investigate his home from time to time. He has lived with the spirit since he purchased the castle in the early 90s and I watched a few interviews with him talking about the ghosts and he was very matter-of-fact about them. Sean's done a good job of chronicling the ghost stories of Lep Castle and he believes that pretty much all of them are true. He and his family and other paranormal investigators often hear footsteps and muffled voices. He's seen and heard doors open and close on their own and objects move around a lot. His wife and daughter believe that they have heard the sounds of a party coming from the old banquet hall on multiple occasions. Sean himself has also heard whispers behind his back and talking from empty rooms. Over the centuries, many people have seen ghosts, and they range from all different types of apparitions. Sometimes they are clear as day, as if a real person is standing in the room with you. Other times they are hazy looking, or as if a whiff of smoke has floated by. Some have even described seeing auras. Sean says that his family has a different approach to dealing with ghosts than the previous owners. They don't get involved. They just live their lives and they like to think that the ghosts live their best afterlife beside them. While there is documentation of negative energy inside the castle, Sean has never felt threatened or unwelcomed inside his home. He believes that if there were darker spirits in the castle before, that that energy was probably directed at the original owners not him and his family. Because of the layout of the castle, we are going to start on the ground floor and then work our way up. But before we enter the castle itself, let's take a quick look at the old priest's house. Today, the structure that was used for the old priest's house lies in ruins after the 1922 fire destroyed it. It was the priest's house during medieval times and remained in use in one form or another before it was set ablaze. In the late 1800s and early 1900s, it was repurposed and used as a guest house by the Darby family. Many who stayed the night reported strange experiences. People who were lying in bed getting ready to go to sleep reported feeling something heavy sitting and then laying on the bed with them. It was as if an invisible person was getting into bed next to them. If that were not a spooky enough experience, this invisible presence would soon start snoring. Many think that this was the ghost of a monk. His ghost is still seen today, wandering around the now empty shell. Some have reported seeing a shadowy figure darting around the old ruins. His ghost has also been seen as a blurry figure wandering around the old floor plan. Others have reportedly seen a monk pushing a large barrel of wine up the stairs. Once he gets to the top, the barrel rolls back down and they both vanish once the barrel hits the ground.
Now it's time to enter the first floor of the castle. On this floor, many people have seen a woman with two children. No one knows who the woman or children are, but many have given this woman the name of the governess or the nanny. People have felt them bump and brush past them while they are standing still. Many have also heard the giggling of children. There is also a ghost of an elderly man that is often seen sitting in a comfy chair by the main hall's fireplace. On the middle floor, a woman has been seen looking out the front windows onto the main drive. She has also been seen walking around the halls in this area. One famous ghost that has been seen all over the castle, but mainly inside the blue room, is the Red Lady. This is a unique spirit because we normally always have a resident lady in white, sometimes a woman in black black, but this is the ghost of the lady in red. Her ghost has been seen for centuries and is well documented. She wanders the halls in a long red dress. She is reportedly tall, lean, and has long brown hair. The most shocking thing about her appearance, she is always seen carrying a dagger. If she spots you, she will raise the dagger and approach you threateningly before vanishing. While no one knows who this woman is, there are two very disturbing legends as to who she might be. And I'm going to give you a trigger warning here because they are really dark and disturbing. So please skip ahead a few minutes if you have to. So here are the legends. The first is that she was kidnapped by the O'Carroll clan during a raid and was raped by one of the top O'Carroll family members. When she gave birth, the clan leader killed her baby with a knife. Distraught with grief, she grabbed the knife and plunged it into her own heart before anyone could stop her. From that day on, she stalks the halls looking for her baby and threatens anyone who gets too close. The second legend says that she was forced by her father to marry one of the main O'Carroll family members. Two brothers wanted her and began fighting for her hand, but she did not want to marry either of them and she tried to sneak out of the castle and was caught, leading both men to stab her to death for her betrayal. And this is why she stalks the halls with a dagger, searching for revenge. Another common sighting inside the castle is the ghosts of children. Many of them are unknown, but two young girls have been given the names Emily and Charlotte. Emily is said to be the spirit of an 11-year-old girl who sadly fell to her death from the battlements sometime in the 16th century. Many people have reported seeing her ghost falling from the top of the castle, but she disappears before she hits the ground. She has also been seen playing with a girl named Charlotte inside the castle's main hall. Charlotte appears to have been born with deformed legs. She has been seen dragging herself around the castle playing with Emily. Most think that they were alive sometime during the 16th, maybe early 15th century, but I have no clue if they grew up together and passed away young or if they passed away at different times and became friends in the afterlife, but I'm glad to see these two have each other. Another ghost that has been seen many times over the centuries is a scantily dressed woman who has been seen wandering throughout the castle. If you see her and approach her, it's said that she will cower and then scream two blood-curdling screams before vanishing. No one knows her tragic story, and while she scares guests with her appearance, she's never harmed anyone. Now that we've covered many ghosts on the main floors, let's head on up to the bloody chapel. This room is notorious for being haunted by many different spirits. 
Not only is it the location of the bloody slaying of Thaddeus O'Carroll by his brother, but it also might be the room where a mass poisoning took place. The story goes that the O'Carroll clan was working with the Northern McMahon clan to drive another clan out of the territory that was encroaching on their land. The bloody campaign went well, and after a successful victory, the O'Carrolls invited about 40 members of the McMahon clan over for a grand banquet to celebrate. At the end of this feast, the O'Carrolls promised the McMahons that they would pay them for their help. However, the O'Carrolls had no plans on paying anyone. And unbeknownst to the McMahons, the O'Carrolls had poisoned their food and drink, and about 25 of the top family members died. After this, according to a documented account, the O'Carrolls cut off their heads and played football with them on the front lawn of the castle. That is some real-life Game of Thrones stuff right there. And this story only added to the Bloody Chapel's reputation, not to mention that the oubliette was also found in this room. Many have reportedly seen Thaddeus dressed in his priest robe walking up and coming down the spiral staircase from the bloody chapel. He has also been seen looking through the windows and walking around the empty burnt out shell that used to be the chapel. Some have also reported hearing bits of conversation, heard the sound of echoing screams, seen shadow figures darting around the room, and heard disembodied footsteps. Once the castle was abandoned after the fire in the 1920s, locals reported seeing strange lights coming from the bloody chapel's windows. The lights were so bright that it looked as though someone had turned all the lights on, but this could not have been possible because at the time there was no electricity running to the castle and it was all burnt out. Today, there is still no electricity running on the top floors and people still claim to see a blinding white light coming from the bloody chapel's windows. The most famous and frightening entity in Lep Castle is the Elemental. An Elemental is a mystic or supernatural being associated with the four elements of nature, which are typically earth, water, air, and fire. They come in many different forms, and these creatures are believed to embody and control the essence of their representative elements. They are also said to exhibit powers and characteristics related to them. Earth elements, for example, are often depicted as creatures made of stone or soil, and they're said to be able to manipulate the earth itself, while water elements can control and take on the form of water. Fire elements are often depicted as fiery entities with the power to create and control flames. Air elementals are typically depicted as light and airy or etherical creatures with the ability to manipulate winds and breezes. Elementals are a common theme in folklore, mythology, and fantasy literature. They also play various roles in different cultural narratives all over the world. Stories of elementals have been around since before the ancient Greeks. When the Darby family claimed ownership of the castle, Mildred Darby, like many other high society women during this time, were fascinated with the spiritual movement and the occult. I told you we would get back to Mildred Darby. She is a very important piece to the legends of the castle that at this point already had many stories and documented accounts of hauntings. So to Mrs. Darby, this was the perfect location to hold seances and other black magic practices. While she was an author of well-received gothic novels, she was also not shy from telling her friends and writing about her real-life paranormal experiences that she had during her time living at the castle. Mildred was well-versed in the occult and was used to spirits coming and going. But one day in 
1909, something happened that scared her to her core. And I will let Mildred herself explain what happened to her from her 1909 article for the magazine Journal Occult Review. I was standing in the gallery looking down at the main floor when I felt somebody put a hand on my shoulder. The thing was about the size of a sheep, thin, gaunting, shadowy. Its face was human, to be more accurate, inhuman. Its lust in its eyes, which seemed half decomposed in black cavities, stared into mine. The horrible smell, 100 times intensified, came up into my face, giving me deadly nausea. It was the smell of a decomposing corpse. Many locals believe that Mildred saw an elemental that had been living on the land for thousands of years. Some think that it only appeared to Mildred because she had been practicing black magic and holding so many seances that she provoked it. And the elemental showed itself to her as a warning. She even warned in her article never to provoke the elemental. While Mildred tried to change the names of the people and the location to her story to try to hide that the journal entry was about her and her husband, the details were so specific that everybody found out it was about her ghostly experiences at Lep Castle. Mildred's husband, Jonathan, became enraged that his wife would write so openly about their personal lives and told his wife that he would never forgive her for what she had done. He also tried to dispute the claims of the hauntings any chance he got. Whenever any of their friends would come up to him at a party and ask for details of the hauntings, he would angrily say, the only spirits in this house are in the sellers before angrily walking away. While I always enjoy a good glass of wine, I think Jonathan needed to have some cheese with his. It was very clear that he just did not want his wife writing books, period. And I find it sad that he spent his whole life being bitter about her talents instead of being supportive. Even if all of her stories were fictional, he did not have to be such a jerk about it. While Mildred may have used the legends of the castle to inspire her works, it does not explain the hundreds of years of documented paranormal activity. The ghosts clearly want their stories told, and they're very vocal about it. I watched a few paranormal teams investigate the castle while preparing for this episode, and I'm not going to get into all of them in great detail, but one instance did stick out to me. It was actually on a YouTube channel called Amy's Crypt. I've talked about her before, and I enjoy watching her channel because she actually debunks things a lot and tries to find logical explanations for things that they hear instead of just going, whoa, did you hear that? That had to have been a ghost. Couldn't have been the wind. However, some things just happen that are too creepy and too relevant to ignore. While Amy and her husband Jared were investigating the dining room area on the middle floor, they decided to try to use a spirit box from her app Ghost Tube Vox. She and Jared have created a bunch of paranormal apps to try to help paranormal investigators. And these are not like those fake ones from back in the early 2000s that you could get on your, you know, iPod Touch. These apps actually work and they're really cool. I've actually used them before during an investigation and I got some really creepy results that were backed up by real experiences going on around me at the same time. So if you would like to learn more about those, I'm actually going to make a blog post about them and a review about a few of her apps. Uh, it will soon be up on my website. I got to get through Halloween, but <laughs> they'll be coming, you know, in November and December around that time. Anyways, when Amy and Jared were using the Ghost Tube Vox app, you normally hear radio stations coming through it from time to time because, you know, it is a spirit box. 
but this session was eerily silent and for a long time. The session was so still that they even began to wonder if there was something wrong with Amy's phone. And like I said, I've used the app many times and I myself have never heard it that quiet before. It was extremely weird. After making sure that it was not the phone that was the problem, they decided to leave the app open and try again. This time though, they spoke in Gaelic to ask questions. Something I appreciate about Amy and Jared is they are very respectful to the spirits and they are also aware of the history and understand that the English language would not have been the main language that was spoken for the majority of the castle's existence. So in Gaelic, they started asking a few questions. Jared said hello and asked, how are you? After no response, Amy then asked, what happened here? And then after a brief pause, she said, what was it like to live in this castle? And then something finally came through the app. You could hear the sound of a man scream out in anguish. And it was a long echoing scream too. This was the only thing that they got during that whole session. And I must say it was unnerving to listen to. And I think it sums up this location in a haunting way. It appears that the ghosts of this castle do not want the living to forget the horrors that awaited them inside and brought them to their untimely deaths. And whether you believe in ghosts or not, you've got to admit that the history of this location is horrifying. It's a shame that so many people passed away here and they will never get their stories told. Perhaps this is why there are so many ghosts haunting Lep Castle. They are trying to get us to listen to their stories so that they can finally rest. Thank you all so much for joining me for today's spooky story of Lep Castle. I hope you guys enjoyed it and I had a lot of fun learning about the history. It was super disturbing, but also very interesting. No matter how many old stories I do, I just can't get used to how barbaric people used to be. But I will say, it did lead to some really interesting ghost stories. Halloween is fast approaching and I hope to gosh I can get my last Halloween episode out in time. I'm not gonna lie guys, I'm really struggling this time. I might not make it. I'm The Cecil Hotel was supposed to be my Halloween episode, but I only have a couple days left. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to finish that up in time. I usually take a month off in the summertime to record my Halloween episodes, so that way I don't have to worry about them and I'm not in a mad scramble. But this year, uh, I ended up starting my business that dead month, as I call it. Um, so I... I did all my businessy type stuff before then and it ran right into me starting school. So I didn't have any time this year to do what I usually do, which is record these in the summer. So um, next year we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming with July being my off month so I can get more episodes done. So that way I won't be so stressed out and I'll make sure to give you guys the best content that I can provide. So the Cecil Hotel will definitely come out, but I might not make it for Halloween. Um, I'm sorry, everybody. Usually I do three episodes for Halloween, but I think this year it's just gonna be two. I'm just, I don't have enough time. And also I haven't been able to actually do anything that I enjoy. I went on my trip, but since I've been home, it's been been like I haven't taken a day off. I've been seriously like super stressed out. 
I went to a fall festival last Saturday, and you know what I did after that? I worked until about two o'clock in the morning to get this episode done after that. So um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm scrambling. I'm going to try my best to get it out, but no promises, okay? Don't worry, next year, like I say, we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming. I will not have to learn how to make a newsletter, how to make a website, how to sell merchandise. All of that stuff takes a lot of time. And I never had time to sit down and figure that out. So that's where that dead month went. It was me setting up Historically Haunted as an official business and getting it off the ground. And uh, I did not think about how that would run into the holidays, but man, you blink and they're here. So anyway, if the Cecil Hotel does come out on Halloween, great. And if it doesn't, I promise it'll be coming out in a week or so after Halloween because I also have something going on the very first weekend of November that I cannot miss. Something that I've been planning for a while. So anywho, um, if I don't make it by Halloween, uh, I wanna wish you all a fantastic Halloween. I hope that you guys have a safe time, have fun trick-or-treating, going to fall events, going to parties, just have a great time, but remember, be safe. If you are interested in following me on Instagram, I have a link to that page down below, along with links to my website, blog pages, YouTube channel, everything is down below in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me today. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and I will see you guys back here as soon as I can on Historically Haunted. Bye, everybody. Thank you.